Uh, on last Friday, I sent out an email um, just for me, a, a church-wide email, because I, I, one of the things that I, I want us to make sure we keep track of is, is, is stay, stay plugged in and stay alert to what's happening in the ministry. And one of the ways, two of the ways we communicate is via email and text messages. Uh, and so I, 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 uh, sometimes I, I, I think we don't necessarily read our emails, so I, I, I did a little email challenge. At the bottom of that email, I put a little deal. I said, I want to prove my assumption. The first five people to respond uh, to this email, uh, we're going to bless you financially with $100. Uh, and so uh, immediately, well, not immediately, but within five to ten minutes, I had uh, Keisha Harris, uh, Keisha Evans, I'm sorry, um, uh, respond. And she said, donate her $100 to an elderly. So we gave it to Sister Dorothy Connolly. Uh, Brother Andre, your brother Andre Moore. Uh, Sister Maisha Mims, Monica Scott, and Veronica Stewart. Those five responded to the email. I had about 20 people respond in total. Uh, but you never know what you're going to get when you start looking out for what, what's coming your way from EBC. Amen? And so, so next time, read your email. You never know what's coming the next time around. Amen? And so those five will, will receive that $100 blessing just for being responsive to the church's email. Glory to God. So in Genesis, the 50th chapter, uh, we're going to begin our reading at verse number 15. We're, uh, we've been continuing with our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series that we're studying on Wednesdays, and we're tracking some of that same teaching here on Sunday morning. And today, I, I want to talk about breaking the power of the past. Everybody say, breaking the power of the past. Um, here in this 50th chapter of Genesis, a familiar pastor scripture for those who've been studying your Bibles. Uh, and we see here Joseph here uh, in this 50th chapter getting to the climax or the apex of where God all along wanted and needed him to be. All along where God wanted and needed him to be. Uh, but to get to this point in this 50th chapter, God had to take Joseph through some things. Anybody ever been through some things? God had to take Joseph through some things to get him to this 50th uh, chapter in verse number 15 where we, where we see him uh, man, performing and doing what God would desire for him to do in order to protect the seed, the blessed seed that would come down through 42 generations to be born in a manger in Bethlehem. God had a purpose and a plan. He had a purpose and a plan for Joseph's life, and he had a purpose and a plan, and he has a purpose and a plan for your individual life. The text says here in verse 15, read with me, it says, But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. The text says, So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us, to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God, of your, the, the servants of the God, your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Look at what the text says. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? He says, you intended to harm me. Watch this. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Verse 21. 
Now, don't know. Don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he re, he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Talking about breaking the power of the past. Everybody say breaking the power of the past. Now, guys, as we've been going through our emotionally healthy spirituality study, two key thoughts I want to bring to you to your remembrance. If you've been studying this, you, 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 you recognize this. Two key thoughts that I want us to focus in on. Number one is the blessings and sins of our families going back two to three generations impact who we are today. Let's read it out loud. No purpose. It says what? The blessings and sins of our families going back two to three generations impact who we are today. Okay, y'all remember that. Second thing is one of, I want you to remember this. Discipleship requires putting off the sinful patterns of our family of origin and relearning how to do life God's way in God's family. Let's read it again. Discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. That is the thing that Jesus told his apostles before he ascended back up into heaven. He told them to go and make disciples. Everybody say go and make disciples. And so discipleship requires putting off the sinful patterns of our family of origin and relearning how to do life God's way in God's family. That's critical because, guys, all of us, whether we care to admit it or not, have some traits of our family of origin that are still influencing how we do life today. All of us have some of our mom and our dad in us, more than we would, we would care to admit. One of the things that Maria mentioned to me, and uh, she told me, uh, in, in, in other words, what she was telling me is you, like, you just like your daddy. Now, when she was telling me that, it had to do with sometimes when I have good intentions to getting around to doing something, but just like my daddy, Vic, sometimes I will procrastinate on getting around to doing the thing that when I told her I meant that I'm going to do it, but a month and a half later, it still hadn't gotten done. Anybody in the house? And so some of that rubbed off on me. I don't know how it got on me, but it, it stuck to me, Alia. And so I got to deal with that habit of, of, of saying, okay, When you tell me I'm going to do it, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart when she tells me that, that there's something to be done. I mean it, but I find myself procrastinating like just like my daddy. And all of us got some ways like our parents and like our family of origin that we, those sinful patterns, that if we're going to be true disciples of Christ, we got to rid ourselves of those things. Now, again, our, our text this morning, guys, is taken from the book of Genesis chapter number 50, where we see this fellow by the name of Joseph restoring a broken family situation. Through our study, we learn that one-fourth of the book of Genesis is about Joseph growing up into an emotionally and spiritually mature adult who lived out his unique destiny in God. One-fourth of the book of Genesis talks about Joseph and his life. I think to... In my mind, that signifies some uh, the importance of Joseph's life. Can I get a witness? It signifies that Joseph and what he went through, uh, we, I think we can learn some things that will help us as born-again believers to get to our proper place in God. Can I get a witness? 
So, so we, we see this, that, that, that we deal with Joseph here. However, as, as with many families, guys, Joseph's family was characterized by a lot of dysfunction, right? Remember we did the series, Me and My Dysfunctional Family? Because all of us, whether we care to admit it, and some people will admit and some won't. Some will make like everything was great and grand and, that, and, and, and we were the pristine, prideful family of the town. But when you really unpack some of what was going on in that family, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of vainness there that has not ever been really addressed. And as a result, that, that, that family of origin can keep you from being in your place of destiny that God desires for you to be in. And so, so guys, uh, we, we, we got a lot of dysfunctionality. We're first introduced to Joseph in Genesis chapter number 37 when he was 17 years old. If you will, let's go back there right quick. Genesis chapter number 37. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number one, talking about breaking the power of the past. Because Joseph, when you look at his life, and I'll share some things with you here about some facts about Joseph that I think we need to be aware of. But, but, but Joseph still has some things that God had to work out in him. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much, how much you've done. I don't care how involved you are in ministry. I don't care how involved you are in your community and doing well. All of us have, have stuff on the inside of us that God needs to burn out of us. Everybody say, burn me, Lord. There are some stuff on the inside of us that God has to deal with. That stuff, that, that iceberg we saw where 10% of us is above the surface, but that 90% that is below the surface, God says, I want to get into that area. I want to get into that hidden stuff that nobody knows about. I want to get into those attitudes, those mindsets, those ways of thinking that, that prevent us, that prevent you and I from being those disciples that God desires for us to be. So look, look, look with you, if you will, in Genesis 37, verse number one. The text says this, so Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. The text says this is the account of Joseph and his family. When Joseph was seven, this is the account of Jacob and his family, when Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Now watch this right, stop right there. That's, that's probably going to be a problem. How many of y'all grew up in the family where you had the brother that told everything? Or the sister who went back and said, ooh, we, I'm going to tell mom and daddy. Here Joseph is, all right, Joseph, watch this. The text says he reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Look at the next verse. Let's keep reading. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. Now watch this. He was the favorite of all of his boys. The Bible is very clear, and, and, and apparently this, this wasn't something that was a hidden secret. It was open, which caused his brothers to be really jealous of him and, and, and envious of him and didn't like him very well. I don't know why he, you know, the, the text says Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. I don't know if it was because Jacob said, hey, hey, I still got it. In other words, he was up in age, and he was still able to produce a child. So he, he loved this Joseph. He favored him above the other uh, brothers uh, that, that he had uh, as a father. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Now watch this, a beautiful robe. The text says this, 
Uh, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Everybody say dysfunction in the family. Say dysfunction in the family. I, I sense that some of y'all right now got some dysfunction with some of your siblings. There's some things going on that you hadn't really talked about that need to be dealt with, but you can't really talk about it. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. The text says, listen to this, this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. The text says his brother responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them, the way he talked about his dream. Now, guys, let's, let, let's, let's start to unpack some of this right quick. Some things I want you to know about Joseph that I think is real pertinent is, is Joseph, when you look at his, his life in the scripture, Joseph worked very hard. He was a hard worker wherever he was, and he was extremely responsible. You, you, you'll see this. And I want to challenge you to go to, uh, to, to do some additional reading if you hadn't already. It, uh, go back and read Genesis, the third, seventh chapter through the fifth chapter and look at Joseph's life. And you'll discover that wherever he was, he had a tendency to rise to the top. Whatever environment he found himself in, it didn't matter. In slavery, in prison and in the palace, he rose to the top because Joseph was a hard worker. Everybody say hard worker. Joseph was a man of high moral character because we saw that in the 39th chapter when Potiphar's wife tried to hit on him. Potiphar's wife tried to say, come on, let's do the do. Come on, let's go and, let, let's, let's go and have sex together because I admire you, Joseph. Because the Bible says Joseph was a handsome young man. And this woman came after him strong. This married woman was pursuing him in, uh, uh, continuously in the palace of, of Potiphar. But Joseph chose to not go in and violate his covenant with his God. So he was a man of high moral character. Joseph was, you're going to discover when you read, he was the, the deliverer of Israel. God used him to bring Israel down into Egypt to be replenished I mean, so that they wouldn't die with the famine in the land. And, and, and this is the thing I want you to really, really hone in on. Joseph gives us a clear picture of how God's sovereignty works. Everybody say sovereignty. See, God is sovereign. That means God, 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 is, God is over everything. There is nothing that happens in the earth that God is not aware of. There is nothing that happens in your life that God is not aware of. There's nothing that happened in your life as a born-again believer that happens unless God allows it to happen. Everybody say he has to allow it. So, so, so Joseph gives us a clear picture of how God's sovereignty works. He's the Lord and the majesty of the universe. He controls all events and all happenings throughout the entire universe, and he controls what happens in our life. And Joseph's life shows us how God sovereignly works in the individual's life. And think of all the bad experiences. Uh, and again, uh, I'm trusting that you've read this, uh, but Joseph uh, had some bad experience in his life. His brothers hated him. Now, I, I want you to think about that for a second because I know that there are some believers who, who may be members of this church or who are listening to me via live stream that have siblings that don't think very much of you. You got siblings that, 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 that got... Got, got some art with you. You have some siblings 
who y'all don't just get well, get along that well. And it's caused tension in the family. Whenever you get together for Thanksgiving, it's like, oh, Lord, let me pray up before I go in here. Let me pray up before I go to mama's house because I know it's going to be some stuff. How many of y'all got family members, when you get together, you know sooner or later some stuff's going to happen. Something's going to jump off at the family gathering. Because a lot of times that happens because, guys, we never deal with the dysfunctionality that's been permeating through our families all these years. So Joseph certainly had that we saw there in the text. I mean, his brothers literally hated him. His brother's hatred was, was, was upon him. He was, he was sold into slavery, and his master's wife tried to seduce him and accuse him of rape, and he was put into prison for a number of years uh, because he rejected her advances. So all of these experiences, as terrible as they were, as, as terrible as, as they seem at the time, they were taken by God and worked out for good. I like the way what Romans 8 and 28 says, all things work together for the good to those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And so certainly these things were happening in Joseph's life uh, to make him strong. All these experiences were taken by God and worked out for good because God took each bad thing that happened to Joseph and strengthened him more and more until he was strong enough to be second in charge of all of Egypt. Now, uh, I, I got I to tell you something. And just hear me carefully. When Joseph was strong and wise enough, God delivered him out of his trouble and placed him right where he belonged, right where he could help and serve others. And, and, and so, so when I think about this and I think about Joseph, let's go to the 39th chapter of the book of Genesis and let's start at verse number one. And we're going to read a few verses that follow. I want you to notice something about Joseph. Uh, Joseph. Uh, and I think it's probably the single most important trait of Joseph. It was his faithfulness to God. He was faithful to God. And the text says this, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Israelite traders, because remember his brothers uh, in, 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 their, in their rage and their jealousy of him wanted to kill him. But one of the brothers said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to fake his death, tell our daddy that a wild animal ate him up, take his bloody coat to, to our dad to show him, and we're going to sell him into slavery. Get rid of him because we're, we're tired of him. Now, again, he was a favorite, and, and many theologians surmise that one of the things that was happening was that Joseph uh, uh, was, was, was actually put in charge over his brothers because his father would oftentimes tell him to go and check out and see what they're doing. And so can you imagine the younger brother being over the older brother's? And how envious that would make them. And that's exactly what was happening. And, and we're going to see one of Joseph, even though Joseph was faithful, even though he was a hard worker, there was something that we discover about Joseph that God takes him through all this stuff in order to work this flaw out of him. Joseph had a, 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 a flaw that if not corrected, it would cause him not to be in the position that God needed him to be in. That serious flaw that he had was he, 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 he was prideful. He was arrogant. Because how, how many of you, how many of you know that sometimes when you get stuff too soon and too quick and had, didn't have to go through anything and didn't have to work for it, you can get a little bit prideful. So Joseph was prideful. He was arrogant. He had a little cockiness about him. This happens quite often to a lot of folks. It happens a lot to athletes. How many of y'all went to school with athletes who were what we call cocky? They thought they owned the world, didn't they? 
Because what tends to happen with athletes in schools, you know, college campuses and that type of thing, and even in the NFL, when they come back to the communities, people, people look up to an athlete because of his ability to play a game. Now think about that. And when you take an 18 or 19 year old, old who's being recruited by college uh, coaches and everybody's telling you how good you are. Everybody's telling you how wonderful you are. All those coaches are telling you, we want you on our team because we feel like you can help us get win a national championship. And all of a sudden, you keep hearing all this good and how wonderful you are, and you forget that had it not been for the Lord on your side, you wouldn't be able to do anything. So Joseph was a little cocky. He was a little arrogant. And he kind of flaunted that in his brother's face. So God, knowing that he was going to use Joseph, had to deal with him on this situation. But watch this. The text said when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Israelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The text says this, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was what? With Joseph. Repeat that. Say, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. He was faithful and God was with him, guys. And that's real important that we don't forget that. Even though he was successful, even though he was faithful, God still had to work some arrogance and cockiness out of him. Because if you get too much too soon, then and you think you're supposed to get that, then, then there's, there's something that we're not careful that will rise up on the inside of us and cause us to be in a position where we are arrogant. How many of y'all have met some arrogant Christians, Christians, arrogant preachers, arrogant deacons, arrogant ushers? Mean ushers. Huh? Met people who, who may know the Lord, but, but, but there's, there's some pride that has risen up on the inside of them. And so Joseph had liberty and God had to deal with him. Now, now watch this. Watch this, guys. So the Lord was with him, but, but we got we to gotta still deal with some things because the, what we're going to discover, to get to this 50th chapter, Joseph went through some things. And it, we're going to look at the past, the present, and the future. Let's talk about this just for a second. Because I think it's important that if we're going to ever get to the point to be able to do what Joseph did. Now, watch this, guys. The question was asked in our study, how would you have responded when you were Joseph, knowing that your brother sold you into slavery, knowing that they treated you harshly, knowing that you went through, uh, uh, were falsely imprisoned because of a, a false accusation of rape, knowing that you were forgotten in the prison because the guy who was supposed to remember you and tell the, the Pharaoh about you forgot about you. Would you have been bitter? Would you have been resentful? Would you have utilized this opportunity because you were now in control, second in all of Egypt? Would you have utilized that opportunity to get back at those brothers? See, I'm afraid that some of y'all sitting here will we'll say, we well, hear you know, brother pastor, I, uh, that's Joseph, but it ain't me. Watch this. See, God had to deal with Joseph because I don't think if Joseph hadn't went through all the the things he went through, maybe he would have been in that position just like some of y'all are to try to get him back. But the Bible tells me vengeance belongs to the Lord. He will repay. Can I get a witness? So so, so we look at the past, the present, the future. Uh, And it's important for us to, when we look at this, three things I want want to hone in on real quickly. And, and I'm going to take my time with this because here's what I believe is happening in a lot of our lives, in a lot of Christians' lives. 
A lot of us have not broken free, have not, have not broken the power of the past over our life, and it causes us today to not be in a position where Christ can disciple us and put us in our God-ordained destiny so he can use us to advance kingdom principles. Many of us still are suffering from our family of origin and the way we handle things and some of the, bit, the root of bitterness that's down on the inside of us that we've never really talked about and never really dealt with and haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to help us to be free from that. I'm convinced that there are born-again believers who, who won't let go and fully let God have his way in their life because they are still dealing with stuff from their families of origin. Still having to deal with stuff from past relationships. Still having to deal with how you were, maybe you were treated badly in your upbringing or treated badly at work. And now you, you allowing that last place you were at to still dictate and determine how you view life today. But I'm here to tell you that God, God wants us to break the power of the past over our life. He wants to position us like he did Joseph to be in a place where he can utilize, to, utilize us to advance his kingdom principles. Now, I want to read something to you real quickly, and we're going to get into the, the past, the present, and the future, and it's important for us to understand this. Listen to this. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud shares this, uh, this particular incident that happened at one of the seminars that he was doing. He says, a, a woman at a, re- 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 at a recent seminar said, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but I just can't open myself up to that kind of hurt anymore. She says, I know I should forgive him and trust him, But if I let him back in, the same thing will happen, and I can't go through that again. Who said anything about trusting him, Dr. Cloud said? I don't think you should trust him either. Says, but you said I was supposed to forgive him, the lady said. And if I do that, doesn't that mean giving him another chance? Don't I have to open up to him again? He said, no, you don't. Forgiveness and trust are two totally different things. Everybody say forgiveness and trust are two totally different things. In fact, Dr. Cloud told us, says, that's part of your problem. Every time he's done this, he's come back and apologized, and you've just accepted him back right back into your life, and nothing has changed. Some of y'all know, some of y'all feeling that about somebody who you're in relationship with, aren't you? He said, listen to that again. He said, every time he's done this, he's come back and apologized and you've just accepted him right back into your life and nothing has changed. You trusted him, nothing was different and he did it again. He said, I don't think that's wise. Well, she asked, how can I forgive him without opening myself up to to being hurt again? Good question. He says, we hear this problem over and over. We, We hear this problem over and over again. People have been hurt and they do one or two things. Either they confront the other person about something that has happened. The other person says he's sorry. And then they, they forgive and open themselves up again and blindly trust. Or in fear of opening themselves up again, they avoid the conversation altogether and hold on to the hurt, fearing that forgiveness will make them vulnerable once again. So how do you resolve the dilemma? Well, I think you resolve the dilemma by differentiating between forgiveness and trust. There's a difference. Look at it. Number one, forgiveness has to do with the past. Everybody say forgiveness has to do with the past. Listen to me. Forgiveness is not holding someone. Forgiveness is not holding something someone has done against them. 
It's letting it go. It only takes one to offer forgiveness. Everybody say, it only takes one to offer forgiveness. All right? So forgiveness is not holding something, something someone has done against them. As a matter of fact, if you will, go with me right quick, guys. Let's look at Matthew, the 18th chapter, and uh, look at verse number 21. I, I, I want to take my time on him, and, and, and guys, I'm, I'm going to hit these three, and we're going to unpack those, and, and we'll see where we are at that point, okay? And then we'll, we'll, we'll move forward if we have time. Now, uh, uh, go, go to verse number 21, if you will, 21, Matthew 18, back up to verse number 21, and let's look at that right quick. Forgiveness has to do with the past. The text says, read with me, it says what? Then Peter came to him and asked, came to Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? How many of y'all ever wondered that before? How many of y'all been hurt by somebody multiple times? Sometimes you've been hurt multiple times because you didn't differentiate between forgiveness and trust. All right. You let somebody back into that same space when they, and they hadn't proved themselves to be trustworthy. You can forgive and still be in a position where you're not trusting somebody to do a certain thing. Watch this. Lord, how should I forgive someone who sins against me seven times? Watch this. The text says this. No, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Oh, my goodness. The text says this next verse. Read on. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven. Now, he gives them an example. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Text says, in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. The text says he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Y'all know they had debtors, prisoners, uh, that, 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 that at this time, you didn't, owe, you didn't pay a debt, you could be sold into indigent servitude to work your debt off or to be sold to, 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 so, so the debt can be satisfied. Now, I, I certainly wouldn't advise this nowadays, uh, but, but paying what you owe is important. All right? And I know during this pandemic, many have lost jobs, that type of thing. I'm not talking about that kind of situation because when that happens, then even if you can't pay somebody, I told you all this before and I said over and over again, if you owe somebody, pay them. And if you owe them, don't run from them. If you owe somebody, don't run from them. If you can't pay at that particular point in time because something happened job-wise or whatever, then you owe it to them as a man of honor and a woman of honor and integrity to call them and let them know what's going on. Hello? And furthermore, when you do see your way out a little bit, don't take that money that you owe somebody else and go on vacation with that money. Hello? You need to take care of what you owe before you start, well, baby, I'm just tired. I, I need a break. Well, you need a break, but you pay that person first before you go on your break. I tell you before, you're going on vacation on my money that you owe me. Come on. All right, y'all with me? Uh, guys, God watches how we do it. The Bible says the wicked borrow and do not repay. So when a situation arises and stuff happens, guys, you owe it to the person who you owe 
as a man of, as a Christian man or woman to call and say, listen, here's what transpired. I meant to pay this week, but something came up and, and listen, I can't do what I said right then, but let's divide it up over six payments and I'll take care of it over the next six months. Are y'all still tracking with me? Some of y'all owe some folks something. Y'all, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. All right. All right. Watch this. Watch this. So, so, so he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Watch what happens. Let's keep going. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. The text says, then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and did what? Forgave his debt. Man, isn't it awesome when somebody releases you and says, you don't even owe me anymore. I forgave that debt. You're free and clear. Isn't that a wonderful feeling? Have anybody ever forgave you for something that you owed him, right? Let's read on. The text says, watch this now. But when the man left the king, Watch this dude, man. Let's, look at the audacity of this of his cat here. He he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. How much did he owe the king? Millions. And he goes to this fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Pay me my money. Watch this, watch this. Text says his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more, for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. The text says, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now, the text says, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. I would be too. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. The text says, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had mercy on you? The text says this. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father would do to you. Watch this. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, I, I, I need y'all to think about this for a second because we, we, we get to Genesis, the fifth chapter, and we see Joseph. Went from a brash, arrogant 17-year-old to second in charge of all of Egypt and to get to that position and not be uh, uh, somebody who would do something treacherous, God had to take him through some things. And maybe you're not where you want to be in life right now because God sees that stuff that's beneath the surface that you ain't talked about, but he knows if he elevates you to that position, that stuff's going to come out. Are y'all with me today? Here... Forgiveness, isn't it it amazing how we ask God to forgive us? Yeah, that that stuff that that, that stuff you did that you hadn't told anybody about. Yeah, that stuff that you snuck around and did. Huh? That only you and that other person know about because you kiss and you don't tell. Are y'all with me today? That person who you were with Morally speaking, you should not have been with, and only y'all two know about it, so you think, and God forgave you, but then somebody does something to you, and you can't forgive them. Watch this. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, Joseph 
was in a position to where God had worked out the arrogance out of his life. It worked out the, the pridefulness and the cockiness. And we see in this 50th chapter when we get back there that, that he had forgiven, he forgave his brothers. But God had to work it out of us. And many times God has to work stuff out of us. But I need you to understand this. Uh, when we look at the past, present, and future, we got to understand, we got to differentiate between forgiving and trusting. Forgiveness has to do with the past. Okay? Go with me, if you will, to, uh, let's go to Colossians chapter number 3, verse 12. Well, uh, yeah, let's go to Colossians chapter number 3, verse 12 through 15 right quick. Let's watch this. Look at this right quick. I just want to confirm, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word should be established. Can we read together? The text says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, I want you to think about yourself right now. Don't think about your neighbor. Don't think about your husband. Don't think about your children. Don't think about me. Think about you right now. He says this, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. He says, clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. Are you a merciful person? Clothe yourself with kindness. Would you be considered by your folks who, who are in relationship with you to be a kind person? Humility. Would you be known as an humble person? Gentleness and patience. Clothe yourself with that. Could we describe you as being a patient person or a gentle person? Keep reading. Verse 13. Watch this. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So if it wasn't too bad, forgive them. If they do right, forgive them. No, it says what? And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Everybody say must. 14 and 15, real quick. Watch this, watch this. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Next verse says what? And let the peace that comes from Christ do what? Rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. So we see here that we're given the mandate to forgive. Forgiveness has to do with the past. Forgiveness is not holding something someone has done against them. It's letting it go. It only takes one to forgive. Just as God has offered forgiveness to everyone, we are expected to do the same thing. We're commanded to do the same thing. So forgiveness has to do with the past. Number two, reconciliation has to do with the present. Go to Matthew 18. Reconciliation has to do with the present. It occurs when the other person apologizes and accepts forgiveness. It takes two to reconcile. Everybody say it takes two to reconcile. Now, if, if, I, if I'm counseling somebody and a, a husband and wife is, has split apart and then a husband come back to me and say, well, I'm reconciling my wife. I said, you are. So, so you're back at home. No, I'm not back at home. I thought you told me y'all were reconciled. Well, we ain't together, but we reconciled. How can you be reconciled when you're not together? Reconciliation involves two people. I can say I'm reconciled to Mareria all day long, but if we are living in different houses, have different budgets, uh, have different money, and, 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 and doing things separately, we're not reconciled. I'm just saying something. Because it's going to take two to do what? To reconcile. 
I can say it all day long, but until we get back together, uh, then, then we're not reconciled. Amen. Uh, until we can come back as husband and wife and, and, and be in the same house and commune together in every way, we're not reconciled. Uh, uh, you know, that, that you, you know, re- reconciliation, when we do it the right way, can be a, 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 a very beautiful thing. Even in the natural, between the husband and wife. And, and, and I say this all the time because husband and wives sometimes have uh, things that happen in a relationship that causes a schism to take place. Y'all know what a schism is, right? There's separation there. We're not reconciled. But it's wonderful when, when, uh, when, when you can make up with your spouse. Can I get a witness up in here? Oh, y'all, y'all ain't never made up with your spouse. Is that Sherry? You ever made up with Ken and Wayne before? Okay, all right. I just, I just need, to, need, need to hear you right quick. All right. See, when you reconcile, there is, there is, there is a, a, a coming together, a meeting of the minds to the point to where you, amen, say, I'm laying down that stuff that happened, and now we're getting back into covenant relationship the way we should, okay? Look at Matthew 18, verse number 15. Watch this, watch this. Hallelujah. Reconciliation has to do with the present. It takes two. It takes two to reconcile. It takes two. Obviously, there have been instances where reconciliation hasn't taken place in relationships. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hurtful thing, especially when you're in covenant with somebody. And it, I, I, I compare it this way. Uh, you know, uh, if, if, say, for instance, and, 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 and I know God hates divorce. Let me say it again. God hates divorce. I'm going to say it again. God hates divorce. Because, and I know some because of the sinfulness of one or the other parties, uh, divorce has taken place, but that's not God's best. And the reason why divorce is so hurtful is because if you truly are in union with somebody and, and you, you, you come together as one, when you two are one and then when you break apart, it's like splitting a person in half. How many of y'all used to watch the old Tarzan movies back in the day, the black and white Tarzan movies that came on in the afternoon? Y'all remember watching Tarzan? Tarzan? I'm not talking about the modern version. I'm not the old version. Uh, and they, they had these, 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 these tribesmen, they were called jujus. And these jujus, when they would catch a person, the, y'all remember those jujus? They would catch a person, and what they would do was they would tie one foot, they would bend the tree down, Vic, tie one leg to that tree, and bend the other tree down and tie this other leg to the other tree, and then they would cut the rope, and the tree would naturally spring back up once the rope was cut, this one would go this way, and this one would go the other way. And, and, and on, the, on, the, uh, on the television show, all you hear would go, ah! And that was it. They were split in half. Y'all remember that? Okay. I'm just going back and remembering that, okay? But I imagine whenever a, 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 something that's supposed to be together is, is cut in half, man, that is a difficult thing to go through. When you're in covenant relationship with someone, when you, whether it's a, a, a parent-child relationship, whether it's a husband-wife relationship, whatever it may be, a church member to church member relationship, when you're really in covenant, when a split happens, I don't care what you say, it's hurtful. It is hurtful. God hates divorce. He hates when we break covenant because he's a covenant-keeping God. Watch this, guys. So in order to keep us in covenant, in order to keep us 
reconcile, one of the things that Jesus taught us that we should do is this. Watch this. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Notice what it says. Go what? Go what? Go what? He didn't say go to social media, did he? I'm going to tell you something, and I'm, I'm going to say this, you know, if, if it fits you, if the shoe fits, wear it. No, if the shoe fits, grow out of it. Quit, please, child of God, airing your frustrations on social media. That's the most immature, mundane, asinine thing you could ever do, and it's not biblical. Here's what you should do. If you're going to be biblical. Now, if you, want to, if you want to follow Jesus, do what he says. It's one thing to say I'm following Jesus, but it's another thing to actually do what he says. You're not really following Jesus if you don't want to do what he says. Look at what the text says. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that, that person back. Look at the next verse. So, we, first of all, we go privately to the person. The person who's offended us. We don't go and tell everybody else in the church about it. We go to the person one-on-one. Y'all with me? Watch this. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by what? Two or three witnesses. In other words, take spiritual people with you. I've told you, y'all heard me teach this time and time again. If there's something that's not resolved, then you take two or three more spiritual brothers or sisters with you. Don't take the church gossip with you. Don't take that, that immature sister that, 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 that she, she cuts everybody out when she gets mad. Don't take her with you. Take someone who's spiritually mature, who's grounded in the word, who are going who, to approach the situation from a God standpoint by using the word of God to govern how we act. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Next verse is what? If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church, to church authority. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. That's what Jesus says here, guys. All right? Watch. Let's go to 18 through 20 real quick. Let's read it. It says what? I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth. Now, here, guys, don't miss this. Here's what Jesus is telling his followers, his apostles, his disciples. He says, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. So what he's saying is, if that person refused to listen to church discipline, if you decide to disfellowship them here out of the church, I will honor that in heaven. I will honor what you just did. Look at what it says. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Watch what it says in 19 and 20. Because watch this now, guys. Again, this is something that's in line with God's will. You understand? You can't, God ain't going ain't, ain't, ain't gonna, to, if you forbid something that's not godly, God ain't got anything to do with that. He takes his hands off of that. But if you follow his word, following his scripture, then God will honor what you do on earth. He'll honor that in heaven. That person can't get to God by going around you and not dealing with the situation. God said, I'm going to honor that, what you did. I'm going to honor, I'm going to honor you 
taking care of the church's business in a manner that I prescribed in the scripture. Too many of our churches won't address sin that's open sin because we are scared that people are going to leave the church. I'm going to tell you all something. I would much rather have as a pastor people who 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 are who are who would respect the word of God enough to say I'm going to honor my life by doing the word and have the church half full than have it full of folks who are doing any and everything and, and and think we're doing something. Too many times we've, 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 I think we've gotten this mindset in, in church culture today that the success of a ministry is determined by the number of people in the pews. And we don't, God don't measure success in ministry by, by numbers like the world does, okay? I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my father in heaven will do it for you. Next verse says what? Three, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So what Jesus tells his apostles is, his disciples is, listen, when you agree uh, and, and when you gather in my name, doing it according to my word, I'm in the midst of that. I will honor what you say. If you forbid it here at EBC based on the word of God, I'll forbid it in heaven. In other words, God says, I'll agree with you when you follow my word. Well, this is what I think. No, I didn't ask you what you think. What does the word of God say? So go to the person. So reconciliation has to do with the person. It, it means bringing a relationship back together. It takes two to reconcile. Third thing, third and final point, and, I, I, and I, we're going to pick up on next week because I, I got some more to talk about breaking the power of the past. Some of y'all sitting here right now, and you're not your true self. You're not, you're, you're not the person that God has destined you to be because you haven't dealt with some of that stuff that's beneath the surface. Don't you realize that God knew that Joseph was arrogant and cocky? But he chose Joseph to save the seed because there was famine in the land and God knew that he had chosen that family to bring Jesus through. If that family died out, then the seed that was going to save the world couldn't have been born in the manger of Bethlehem. So in order to save the seed, he had to save the family. In order to save the family, he put Joseph in Egypt in a position where he could offer grain. Gave him a, gave him a, gave him a rhema word, gave him a benediction about what was going to happen in the future as it relates to the famine. There's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. During that seven year of plenty, build you some storage barns and let's store up the grain because there's going to be seven years of, 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 of famine that's going to come. Guys, that's still wise advice today. Save, don't spend every dime you get. Hello, don't spend every dime that comes to your hand. Because there are going to be some times like we're going through now where, where jobs may not be plentiful. There are going to be times when, when you're going to go through a, 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 a dry spell. Amen. Saving don't mean that you don't have faith. Come on, y'all. The ant knows how to do it. Then Proverbs tell about the ant. He stores up for the winter. And don't spend every dime you got. Store it up. Everybody say store it up. So give. Your God will bless you, but learn how to save too. Third and final point for today. Trust has to do with the future. Trust has to do with the future. It deals with both what you will risk happening again and what you will open yourself up to. That lady at the seminar 
couldn't differentiate between forgiveness and trust. So she she would she would she she thought that forgiveness meant that she had to just unilaterally trust the husband when he hadn't proved himself to be trustworthy. I can forgive you, but I'm still going to watch you in that area because you hadn't shown yourself to be trustworthy yet. In other words, that, that needs to be a process that you go through. And because when you just unilaterally freely give people another reign and they hadn't shown themselves to be trustworthy, you open yourself up to be wounded and hurt again. Differentiate between forgiveness and trust. Watch this. Go to Matthew 3. Matthew 3, verse 1 through 10, real quick. And this is the last one. We've got we to get out of here. So three things. Forgiveness has to do with the past. Reconciliation has to do with the present. And trust has to do with the future. We're going to see, as we pick up on next week, how Joseph got to the point to where he was able to forgive the dudes that sold him into slavery. Think about that. He was able to reconcile with his brothers, his family, who did him wrong. The guys, it ain't no hurt like family hurt. When folk who your blood mess over you. Any of y'all been hurt by a family member before? Ain't no hurt like uh, a hurt when a family member violates your trust, does something crazy. But I'm here to tell you, even that, you can forgive and you can, be, you can move forward and be in a position where God can, 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 can reconcile a relationship and trust can be rebuilt. Amen? But it takes two to reconcile. Watch this. In those days, John the Baptist came to, to, to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, watch this, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The text says the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Verse 4 says what? John's clothes were woven, woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. Text says people from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over Jordan, the Jordan Valley, went out to see and hear John. Text says this, and when they confessed their sins, he baptized them what? In the Jordan River. Next verse says what? But when he saw many Pharisees, watch this, and Sadducees coming to watch him baptized, he denounced them, said, you brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Eight, nine, and 10. Prove by the, watch this, and this is what I want to get to. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Let's read that out loud on purpose. That's what I want to get to. Read it. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. It's one thing to sit there and say, I, 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 I repented, I'm turned away from that. But you got to prove it by the way you live. I need you to trust me. I can't trust you until you prove it by the way you live because you violate trust. When you prove it by the way you live, then trust is restored. Can I get a witness? There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Watch this, 9 and 10, and I'm through. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. They thought, these Jews thought, that because they were natural born Jews, 
the family that God chose to bring the Savior in the earth realm through, they thought they had a special patent with God that they could do whatever they want to do and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a natural born Jew. God loves me. I'm a part of his family. God's still going to deal with you. Just because you name, name Christ as your personal Savior, God still will deal with you if you belong to him. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is paused, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. So three things real quickly as we close. Joseph got to the point to where he was able to understand all these three components. Number one, we said again, forgiveness has to do with the past. Learn how to forgive because that's our, we're, we're commanded to do so. And if we don't forgive others, then the Bible is very plain that our sins won't be forgiven. Okay. Number two, we said what? Uh, reconciliation has to do with the present. It takes two to reconcile. It takes two to reconcile. Three, trust has to do with the future. It deals with both what you will risk happening again and what you will open yourself up to. Some of y'all say, I, I, no, I'm through, I'm through, I'm through. Uh, what I want to tell you is, 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 is let's, let's study what Joseph's life, and we'll pick up on next Sunday, and let's see if we can get to a point in our relationships where we can do like Joseph did with his brothers. I know you've been hurt before in the past. I know there's been some things that's transpired that caused you much pain, angst, and heartache. But I'm here to tell you that if you will grow in the Lord, if you allow the Lord to use what you've been through to set your future uh, in the place where he wants you to be, you can get there. You can get there. Everybody say, I can get there. You can break from the power of your past. Amen. Jesus Christ gave his life so that you and I could be in a position to where he could utilize us to advance his kingdom. He hung, bled, and died on Calvary's hill, buried in a borrowed tomb, resurrected the third day morning with all power in heaven and earth in his hand. And he gave that power to us when we accept him as our Lord and our Savior, breaking from the power of the past. God gave us the power and his spirit to do that. Every head bowed, every eye closed.